So imagine with me. When we know we're nothing without them, I want you to imagine with me a world where you could have everything that you speak just like that. Just like that. Imagine this world. Come on, pull yourselves in. Pull your minds in. And let's just go go to this place. Let's imagine this place where we can, everything we speak, it happens at once. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. What would you say? In this world we're imagining, where you can have everything you spoke at once, what would you say? Think about it. What would you say? Would you watch what you said? Would you watch what you said? Would you think before you spoke? Would you think before you spoke? If you can have it just like this, would you think about what you said before you said it? Listen, I don't just want to help myself, but would you try to correct others before they spoke? Or if they spoke something they weren't supposed to be speaking, would you correct them? And get this, would you teach your children even before they started to speak that they could have everything they wanted, would you teach your children that? Well, I'm here to tell you, we do live in a world where we can have everything we say. Pastor London, no, no, yes, yes. Turn to Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark. Mark 11, 22 to 24. We do live in this world. So we're imagining, but we are in this world today where we can have whatever we say. Verse 22 says, And Jesus answering saith unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Get this. He shall have whatsoever he saith. See, I told you. Verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe. If you have your Bible, underline that word. Put a crayon, put a circle around it, you know, highlight it. Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So in this world we're in today, it happens right away in the spirit. What we say happens right away in the spirit, and then the manifestation in the natural comes sooner, or it might come later, but the manifestation is coming. Tell your neighbor, the manifestation is coming. Let's go to Proverbs 18.21 in the NLT version. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Bring, put, put yourself on here. You know, sometimes when we hear these type of messages, we're like, oh, this is for sister over here. So let me take this for sister. But take it for yourself today. Tell yourself, I'm taking this for me today. I'm taking this for me. Now, in the Living Bible, it says, those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. And the Message Bible says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So it's our choice. You do the choosing. 
And in the CEV, it says words can bring death or life. Talk too much and you will eat everything you say. You know, I like to bring out these different versions of the Bible because King James is King James. But you bring these other versions that bring it down to, hey, so I can understand this for me. So these versions kind of tell you, you talk too much and you're going to eat everything you say. Think about something that you said. Think about something that you said. And think about where you are today. Where you are today is a result of what you said yesterday, what you said last year, what you said 10 years ago. Where you are today is the result of that. Now, the words we speak and the words we sow, we know, according to Isaiah 55 and 11, they will not return void. They will not return void. Let's go there. Let's go there. Isaiah 55. I want to start at verse 8. We're going to read 8 through 11 in the NLT version. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Verse 11, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Say, it always Always. produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I sent it. So the word of God always, say always. Always. What's left after always? It always produces fruit. Now, the enemy, he's also looking for words to speak that, that are contrary to God's word. So he can bring it to pass. So we don't just, don't just think, hey, I'm going to say these good words and, you know, God going to bring it to pass. But if you're speaking negatively, the enemy is waiting to get to cause those words to come to pass. Let's go to 1 Peter 5 and 8 in the message. 1 Peter 5 and 8 in the message. You know, I've been told before that I talk fast. So um, hopefully you're catching. Well, I know you're catching what I'm saying, but if I need to slow down, just, just. Listen, listen intently. And you can get the CD. You know, with, with the CD, yeah, see, Brother Corey, he, he right there with me. With the CD, you can rewind. What did she say? You can rewind and, you know, and then fast forward, you know. But in the message, verse 8, keep a cool head. Stay alert. How do you stay alert? With the words that you're speaking. The devil is poised to pounce. I want to show you what I did in the 830 service. I think I, I was, you know, I did it in the 830 service, but, you know. This is what the devil does to you in the spirit. He's waiting. He's waiting to attack us. He's waiting. He's, he's crouching down like this. He's poised to pounce. So he's waiting. What's she going to say? What he going to say? You know, is he going to say, I'm broke? Yeah, I'm going to make him broke. Oh, is he going to say, I'm, I'm sick? Yeah, I'm going to keep him sick. No, the devil is poised to pounce. Like the, like the cats, they pounce and they pounce on the mice, you know, and all the other animals that pounce and everything. That's how the devil is in the spirit. He would like nothing better, it says, than to catch you napping. He would like nothing better than to catch you napping. And I told first service, I let the enemy catch me napping back in the old, back in the old church, you know. Back when I grew up, 
you know, the pastor preaching and everything, and I wasn't really into what he was saying. You know, I'm reading my book, and then I was asleep during the message, but when he tuned up, I kind of woke up like, yeah, it's about to be over. You know, I'm about to go get my dinner, you know. So I was like, okay, yeah, we'll wake up. You'll wake up. And then it, it didn't stop there. So it carried over to the next church. Now, the next church, the word was going forth with accuracy, excellence, and boldness, but I still let the devil keep catch me napping. So not only did I let the devil catch me napping, the pastor's brother caught me napping. Now, now lean on your neighbor and say, you don't want the pastor's brother to catch you napping. And the pastor's brother was taking the pictures, okay? So now I told first service, we have some photos in here, some of you that have been sleeping in service. You know, we're not going to put you out there on Facebook, but we do know. But I don't want you to let the devil catch you napping here in this service, okay? But he caught me napping. So the enemy used me, you know, he, he... yeah, I let the enemy use me. I stayed up maybe like 11, 12, maybe 1 o'clock reading those left behind books back in the day. And I'm, I'm reading about left behind, but I can't even read the, the current stuff, listen to the current stuff in the church. That, that devil would have you flipping trips and stuff. Anyway, anyway, let me finish on with my, with my story. But the, I slept in church. I was getting the word, but I believe that my spirit was getting the word, even though I was asleep. But I slept in church. <laughs> I got to put a positive spin on it, you know. But I slept. And after service, the pastor's brother came to me and said, hey, I saw you sleeping. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, okay, this is a small church or whatever. We, we know the pastor's family. And his brother, of all people, catching me sleep. I can't do that. I can't do that. I didn't go to sleep anymore after that. So by the enemy trying to put that trip on me, reading, reading about the, the left behind stuff and going to bed 12 and 1 o'clock because I had to finish this next chapter. You know, and some people, that was me reading about the left behind books. I was still, you know, in the word and reading the word. Some of y'all been in the clubs. So <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 11, 12 and 1 o'clock, then you come in here napping. No, don't let the devil keep you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ. You know, he has great plans for us. Even before we were formed in our mother's womb, he had great plans for us. Great plans for us, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Oh, yes, he does. So stay alert. Stay alert. Don't be napping. Nudge your neighbor and tell him, don't nap in the church. Don't nap in the service. Get the word. Get the word. And we don't just want your spirit to get the word, you know, while you're sleeping. We want your natural body to get the word, too. Amen. So nudge your neighbor every now and then. Say, wake up. Wake up. Now, if you want to defeat the devil in your life, how many of you want to defeat the devil in your life? You know, sometimes we let him wreak havoc in our life, but we, it's time for us to stop letting him take over because he has no power. Do you believe that he has no power? The only power he has is the power that we give him. Y'all, y'all don't believe that. The only power the enemy has is the power that we give him. And how do we give him this power? Through this mouth of ours, through this tongue. James talks about our tongue. Through this tongue, we give him power.
power through our tongue. So if we want to defeat him, we need to start and continually release faith-filled words into the atmosphere. So if you're taking, if you're taking notes, which you should be, the title of this message would be Faith-Filled Words. Proverbs 21 and 23 in the CE version is, says, watching what you say can save you a lot of trouble. So we know the enemy brings trouble, trouble, trouble in our lives. So if we watch what we say, we can avoid the trouble. Let's go to Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 to 21 in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible amplifies it, makes it a little bit bigger than what the King James does. I love King James, but I love the other versions as well. Verse 18 says, therefore, you shall lay up these words in your minds and hearts and in your entire being and bind them for a sign upon your hands and as forehead bands between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you rise up. Verse 20 says, and you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house. So to bring it into 2015 version, put the scriptures on your mirror in your bathroom. Scriptures that you're reading, that you're studying, that you believe in God and you attach the scripture to it. Put it on your mirror in the bath, in your bathroom. Put it on the dashboard in your car. Put it on the dashboard in your car. Put it at work on your desk. Put it at work on your desk. And on your gates. That your days and your and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. So how do we release faith? How do we release these faith-filled words? First, you have to believe God's word. Say, I must believe God's word. We know faith is, from pastor's teaching, belief in and reliance on the word of God. To believe is to have confidence in the truth, the existence, or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof that one is right in doing so. Believe is also to attach weight to, to be convinced of, and to count on. Now, we believe that there is a God, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting up in here. You believe that there is a God. But you need to start, we need to start having confidence, attaching weight to, being convinced of, and counting on that his word is true. And we can have what the word says we can have. Do you believe that? You believe you can have what the word says you can have? Do you believe that there is a God? Sometimes we separate God from his word. We say, oh, I believe, I believe God, but you know, that stuff in the Bible, I don't know that, you know, that's from olden times. But John 1 and 1, we, lets us know we can't separate God from his word, because it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and get this, the word was God. So you can't separate God and his word, because they are one. So if you believe there is a God, you believe that his word is true. You believe his word is true. Now let's look at the father of faith. Let's see what, what he had to deal with, what Abraham had to deal with. Turn to Romans 4, 18 to 25 in the Living Bible. So, when God told Abraham that he would give him a son who would have many descendants and become a great nation, 
Abraham believed God. That's the first thing. Abraham believed God, even though such a promise just couldn't come to pass. In the natural, that promise could come to pass, but he set himself to believe God. In verse 19, and because his faith was strong, his belief in, his reliance on the word of God, it was strong. He didn't worry about the fact that he was too old to be a father at the age of 100. And that Sarah, his wife, at the age of 90 was also much too old to have a baby. He didn't, he didn't um, believe that. He didn't worry about that. It was a fact. But the truth was what God had told him. Verse 20, but Abraham never doubted. He never doubted. He believed God. He believed God. For his faith and trust grew ever stronger. And he praised God for this blessing even before it happened. When you're speaking things, are you praising God even before it happens? Or are you like, oh, I'm, I, I think it's going to happen, so let me just, you know, whatever. But no, when you attach a word to something you believe in God for, you got to praise God in advance. You got to praise him before you see the manifestation. You have to do that. Verse 21, he was completely sure that God was well able to do anything he promised. How many of you are completely sure that God is well able to do what he promised? Okay, I got like three hands. You're completely sure that God is well able to do what he promised. Do you know what he promised you? Do you know what he promised you? If you don't, we got to get and dig in that word. It's like a gold mine. You know, the, the diggers, the miners, they'll go in, you know, digging for coal, and they'll just dig and dig and dig. It's nothing at the surface. The surface don't normally carry the, the coal and the, and the gold. They have to dig. They got to keep digging and digging and digging. And then when they dig and they dig and they dig, they strike gold. Do you know how excited they are? But we have to do the same thing with this word. We got to dig and dig and dig. And get this. When you start digging at the surface, you're going to strike gold at the surface. You're going to strike gold when you get to the middle. You're going to strike gold when you get to the end. You know, the, the, the word is not like our system. You know, like I said, with the coal, it's not, it's nothing at the surface. But the word, you can get at the surface. You can get it in the middle. You can get it in the end. You can get it whenever. You can get it whenever. So he was completely sure that God was well able to do anything he promised. Verse 22, and because of Abraham's faith, God forgave his sins and declared him not guilty. Now, this wonderful statement that he was accepted and approved through his faith wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. Verse 24, it was for us, too, assuring us that God will accept us in the same way he accepted Abraham. When we believe the promises of God who brought us back, who brought back Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God, filling us with God's goodness. That is good to me. That is good to me. So we're believing this word. We have, that's the first thing to how to release your faith-filled words. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So not only do you have to believe God's word, you have to speak God's word. So that's the second one. You have to speak God's word. Speak God's word. Speaking God's word allows us to eventually renew our minds 
and our attitudes and release us into the future that God desires for us. Let's go to Romans 4.17 in the King James. Speaking God's word allows us to eventually renew our minds and attitudes and release us into the future that God desires for us. Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom, him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So speaking the word, the word will most of the time go against what you see. You might see depression, but the word will see joy. The word will see, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You might see lack, but the word says, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you might see lack, but he sees prosperity. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. So you got to call those things which be not as though they already were. And get this, they will be. Speak them as though they were not, as though they were until they are. So I need to call those things which be not as though they were until they are. So I'm not going to start today and say, oh, my gosh, I'll supply all of my needs. And then tomorrow I'm, I'm going to something else. No, every day I'm going to call those things which be not as though they were until they are. Call those things which be not as though they were until they are. Until they are. Confession. That's confession. Confession brings possession. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 23. Call those things which be not as though they were until they are. When you release, I said at the beginning, when you release the word, it happens immediately in the spirit. Now we're waiting on the manifestation in the natural. So until I see the manifestation of my God shall supply all my needs, I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were until they are. Tell your neighbor, call those things which be not as though they were until they are. Amen, amen. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. So we see here, we let us hold fast to the profession. Okay, what, what's our job here? What is our job? I want to go to the common English Bible. It kind of puts profession into a different perspective. It says, let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering because the one who made the promise is reliable. So our profession, our job as Christians is our confession of the word of God. Say my profession is my confession of the word of God. Now as a church body, I told first service and we were at 15 North, we came together and called out and we confessed the word concerning this place that we're in now. We had our scriptures, we had our confession, we had all of that stuff going on Saturday prayers. We would start calling out 1321. We did this for a couple of months, 1321. And I know people walking on the street was probably like, what they, what they talking about? They, they got some lottery numbers or something they playing? What they talking about? 
we called out 1321. And when we found that the church was attached, we called out 13, the house was attached. We called out 1321 and 1323. How many of you can attest to that over at 15 North? See, look around. I'm not not joking. I'm telling the truth. But we confessed that and we confessed that and we drilled it. We made a song. We made a, every, we made a little chant, 1321, you know, 1323. And the people around that didn't know what was going on could have been looking like, hey, these people crazy. But we know in the spirit we were calling those things that be not as though they were until they are. So we didn't stop confessing 1321 and 1323 for like a month or so. We confessed 1321, 1323 until we came in this building. Until we closed on the building. That's when we said, okay, we got it now. Now we're going to move on to something else. So now in prayer on Saturdays, you know, I got on first service. So I I, I love my children all the same. You know, even my, my natural children. I love Justin and Jaden the same. And I get on them the same. So on first service, I got on first service. So I'm going to get on you. I'm going to get on you second service too. But we have prayer every first and third Saturday. And this prayer we had yesterday, it was probably out of our over 800 partners, we had maybe like 10, 15, maybe 20 people at prayer. Okay, and the room said, oh, that can't be. How could you have a church of over 800 partners but only 10 and 12, maybe maybe 20, maybe 20. I think I'm stretching it a little bit. Come to prayer. We have to get better at putting a priority on the things of God. So the same way I said we confessed, we were in prayer on those Saturdays, we confessed 13, 21 to 23, we're now on a new venture. We have our new facility confession. We have our lifeline system of churches confession that we're confessing over and over and over. And we come together in agreement on first and third Saturdays. So I want to see you all here on first and third Saturdays. Amen. Clap for that. Clap for that. We even have our babies saying, you know, we have our system of churches. Pastor released a couple, maybe a couple years ago, that um, God had given him 10 churches for Lifeline. So that's our system of churches. It's 10 churches, 1,000 strong in each location. So we have two right now. We have the Cicero campus and we, location, and we have the Monterey, Mexico location. So we are now just believing God and releasing the Lifeline system of churches into the atmosphere. So the Saturday prayer, not this one, but the one before that, Pastor Terrence started this chant, lifeline system of churches come now, and we all just started, you know, lifeline system of churches come now, and get this, the babies are saying it, the babies going around at home, lifeline system of churches come now, and they don't really, they're mimicking what we're doing, but how about we all as grown-ups take that child life sound like faith and let's do the same thing let's do the same thing we are here you know we have exhausted this location here our children are backed up into the rooms you we get over a certain amount we can't take any more children and we don't want that to be we want all of our children all of our youth to get the word on their level our youth need a new facility we don't want to have to go here go skating we want to have all that stuff we want to be self-sufficient and that starts with prayer so tell your neighbor, I'm going to pray this vision through. I'm going to help pray this vision through. 
Because, you know, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. When we were on 15 North, there was about 50, maybe 60 of us, you know, agreeing in, in lifeline system of churches. Now, it don't matter how many people it is. It's just the faith, the power of agreement. You can have one. You can have two. One can put 1,000 a flight. Two can put 10,000 a flight. So let's all stand in agreement in the power of agreement on this matter. And get this. The word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you're in here seeking God for your church, seeking God for this brook that God has placed in you, and God is working out something on your end. God is working out something on your end. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer in James 5, 16 The prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, dynamic in its working. So if you don't have the system of churches confession and our new facility confession, the greeters, the ushers, they have that. Make sure you get that. I see one on the uh, floor over there. Make sure you make sure you get that. Confess it. Get it today. Start speaking God's word over the house. Now, some of you, you might say, hey. You know, I work on Saturdays. I can't come on Saturdays. That's understandable. I'm talking to the ones that are sitting in their beds. You know, not even, we don't even stream prayer, but they're not even thinking about the church. If this is the church, this is the brook that God has placed you in, get, get involved. Amen. Amen. Get involved. And you can get involved by speaking and confessing the word over this house. Amen. Amen. Clap for that. Amen. That was good enough for a clap. Like I said, that was, that was mama speaking, so I'm, I'm back, back to Pastor London here. Amen. So when you speak and confess what you believe, which is and should be the word of God, instead of what you see, hear, and feel, that word gets into your eye gaze, your ear gaze, and it gets planted into your spirit. Once it's planted in your spirit, faith starts to come. Yes. Belief and reliance on the word of God, it starts to come. You start thinking about the things of God and what you spoke. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Everything you need for that thing that you spoke will start to gravitate toward you. It'll start to gravitate toward you. Everything you need for that thing that you spoke will start to gravitate toward you. Your attitude and your mind will begin to change and you'll start moving in the direction of what you spoke. The mind renewal process starts there. Now, in this speaking of your word, you have to meditate on God's word. Say, I must meditate God's word. Not only confess it, I also must meditate it. Let's go to Joshua 1 and 8. You can pull it up in the King James, but I'm going to read it in the Common English Bible. It says, never stop speaking about this instruction scroll. Recite it day and night so you can carefully obey everything written in it. Then you will accomplish your objectives and you will succeed. So never stop speaking. Never stop meditating on the word. Meditation brings understanding of God. It helps you understand God more. It helps you understand his ways and his word. Now, we must consume ourselves with the word of God. And then, get this, once you feel, once you're full of the word, it becomes effortless to do what the word says. So if you know what the word says, you'll consume yourself with the word. It becomes effortless to do what the word says. 
Now, meditation and action go hand in hand, which causes success and prosperity. And you can put in your notes Psalms 1, 1 through 3. I don't have time. I didn't finish first service. I want to make sure I finish this service. So how do I meditate, Pastor London? How do I meditate? You, you told me what meditation was. How, how do I meditate? Like the Eastern religions, you know, when they allow their minds to become completely empty and they, and they do all that stuff. No, no. Instead of emptying your mind, you have to fill your mind and fill your thoughts with God's thoughts. So instead of emptying your mind like the Eastern religions, you have to fill your mind, fill it with God's thoughts. And his thoughts are where? In his word. I got three, four good students in his word. (laughs) Worrying is meditating on the things of the world. While, While meditation is you're meditating, you're musing over the things of God. So, you know, in the word, it tells us in Philippians four and six, don't worry about anything. So we stop meditating on the things of the world. Stop meditating on what you see. Stop meditating on what you even hear and what you what you feel. You might hear at work that they're um, laying off, you know, different things like that. But you can't meditate on that. You have to meditate. My God, whether you know what happened, whatever happens, my God is going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You have to meditate on the things of the word. When you, when you allow your mind to wander and stray, you begin to move in that direction. Okay. So it's not meditation. It's not just about reading your Bible, but you do need to have a time of studying and reading because everything you meditate must come from the word of God. Now, some of the ways to meditate. The first one is to mutter God's word. Mutter God's word. That's to speak things quietly under your breath. So, ladies, you might be having, you know, that time um, of the month, you might be having cramps or whatever. And you say, no. You know, God, he's already healed me. I bind this cramps in Jesus' name. You know, the Lord is my healer. Jehovah Rapha, it's time for you to work in my life. And I'm talking under my breath, but I'm speaking that word. I'm speaking that word. I'm not speaking to for other people to hear me. I'm speaking to myself. I'm building myself up. So you take yourselves a couple scriptures and start speaking them under your breath. And that keeps them fresh in your mind. And you begin to saturate yourselves with the scriptures. You begin, and saturation does what? All right. Doing this, it changes. It starts to change your outlook on things, how you see things. It starts to change and it helps you to keep control of your mind. You know, sometimes we go through different things in life. We tend to let our thoughts wander and run off. I've done that. You know, sometimes we we would um, let our minds wander. We would start analyzing different things. And you can analyze and wander yourselves out of something into something else. Something that ain't even, wasn't even the case. You can start wandering off and it ends up being the case. So you got to let, you got to pull your mind in. Our thoughts need to take the shape of God's word instead of anything contrary to his word. So when you shape your thoughts, you shape your life. It's so true. When you shape your thoughts, you shape your life. So another way to meditate, not only can you mutter the word, you can muse God's word. You can muse God's word. Muse is to ponder, to consider, to study closely. So you take a hold of a promise or a truth and you go over it again and again. 
You know, I used to say, this is how I memorize scripture. You know, in our boot camp, we have, um, you have to memorize scriptures before you can finish with the, that boot camp session. So I used to use this, I used to say the scripture over and over and over again so I can, you know, memorize it. But it's not just, musing is not just for memorizing the scripture, but it's to squeeze out all of the richness in the scripture. You know, back, some people use musing, when they, when they describe musing, they, you know, talk about a cow chewing its cud. Well, we're in 2015, and we don't really milk cows, and we don't see cows and stuff like that, so I want to bring it down to 2015 version, okay? So it's like squeezing a tube of toothpaste. I didn't have this illustration, you know, um, earlier, but I wanted, I wanted to get this illustration for you. So it's a tube of toothpaste. It looks empty to you, right? For children, this is empty. Mom, I need some more toothpaste. This is empty for children, right? So my boys, sometimes, you know, they're, they're brushing their teeth, and they're like, Mom, I need some more toothpaste. And I come, and I'm like, get some more toothpaste in there, and I'm not being cheap. I'm not trying to be wasteful, you know? And then it might be a time where we haven't made our, you know, run to get our toiletries. So, and then they didn't tell me when the last tube of toothpaste was gone. So I need to make it happen. So, oh, you're going to brush your teeth. Your teeth, your breath ain't going to be stinking. You're going to brush your teeth, get all that tartar and stuff out. You're going to do it. So they asked me, open up another tube of toothpaste. And I'm like, if I had it, no. I'm going to squeeze out everything in this toothpaste. And they're like, well, mine ain't nothing in here. But I say, yeah. So you see on the side here, it looks, can I get a close-up? Get a little closer. Don't be shy. Oh, that's Eric. That's, that's something else. I was singing a deodorant commercial. I'm talking about toothpaste, but anyway. So this toothpaste, <laughs> it looks to be empty, but I see this inside. I can squeeze it. I can squeeze that toothpaste. I'm going to come over here. I can squeeze it. And it don't look like it's nothing in there, but I'm squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. But look, it don't look like it's nothing in there, but hey, it's in there. So you don't need to, you finish with this, right? Okay. You, <laughs> I didn't ask her before I over but anyway. You're squeezing it and it's coming out. I'm squeezing it. But sometimes you get it and all of that, I've done that. Yesterday I squeezed it. You know, I made up a word in the first service. I'm going to use the same word. I'm going to add that to the dictionary. Squaws. I squaws it. Somebody said squaws. I want to say squaws. I squaws it yesterday, okay? And it, you know, I got it in there. So they, they was able to brush their teeth or whatever. So now they come back the next day. I still haven't gone shopping, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere, so keep your minds. Keep your minds here, okay? I still haven't, he, I still haven't gone and get some more toothpaste, or I still refuse to open up this new thing of toothpaste because you're going to get everything out of this toothpaste, okay? So it looks to be like it's, it's empty, okay? But then I take the top on the side and I squeeze it and I get some more. I believe it's all gone, but I'm, I'm going to flip it over just one more time. Let me see. 
Oh, it's a little bit more in there. I'm going to squeeze it out until I can't get no more. That's the same thing with the word. You got to squeeze the word until it all comes out. You got to squeeze the word. You got to squeeze it. So today, I'm going to squeeze this word and I'm going to get a little bit of peace. And I'll be like, okay, I got peace today. Okay? Maybe, you know, that, maybe that's it. But just like with this tube of toothpaste, I'm going to come over here the next day. I got peace, but today I'm going to squeeze out joy. I'm going to squeeze out joy. It's like, yeah, you know, I think that, that might be it. I can squeeze out peace and joy. But, oh, I come over here the next day, and I squeeze out love. I'm like, oh, okay, I got peace, I got joy, and I got love. Maybe that's it for that scripture. Uh-uh, I'm going to come over here the next day, and I'm going to squeeze out patience. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, I got peace, joy, love, and patience. I think this scripture is it. I think that's it. Uh Uh-uh, I'm going to come over here the next day, and I'm going to squeeze out gentleness. I'm going to squeeze it out. I'm going to squeeze it out. But listen to this. This toothpaste might be gone. I'm going to take it and do it this way, too. The toothpaste might be gone. It's gone. But the word... Get this, you can never squeeze out everything in the word. You can take one scripture and you can squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it, and it's like a refillable toothpaste tool. It keeps coming and coming. Revelation keeps flowing and flowing. It never, it never gets empty. So if I start out on my scripture and I can say, you know, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm thinking that's it. But Holy Spirit is say, uh-uh. I'm, I'm going to take you over to 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I'm thinking, maybe that's it. I didn't get the prosperity. Uh-uh. You go to Psalms, I think it's 35, 27. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. So you're not just getting it one day. You're not just getting it two days or even three days. You, it's a continual thing. The word, it, it never ends. It's continual. And that word is the same yesterday. It's the same today. And it's the same forevermore. I thank God that his word is continuous. I can get a new piece of revelation on the same scripture every day. Every day. But like with this too, you got to squeeze it out. You have to do the work. You got to squeeze out that revelation. And ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm reading this. Help me bring out everything in here that's for me. Now, you might squeeze something out of the word from the same scripture, and I might squeeze something different. Holy Spirit got all our backs. He got all our backs. He know what you need from that scripture. He know what I need from that scripture. He know what you need, Chris, from that scripture. He know what everybody needs from the word. But you got to do the work and squeeze it. You got to do the work and squeeze it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So not only when you when you releasing faith filled words, you got to believe the word. You got to speak the word. And that's confession, bringing possession. That's meditating on the word. You also have to act on God's word. Can never get away without acting. You have to act on God's word. When you believe, speak and meditate on God's word, that's the next thing that you have to do. Let's go to James 2. Verse 14 in the message, 14 to 26. It's a long passage, but I have six minutes, so I think I can get through it. 
Faith without works is dead, we know. So in this, it's faith in action. James 2, 14 to 26 in the message. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? So I can, I can, you know, say this and I can speak that, but I haven't done anything. You think you're going to get somewhere? You think you're going to get anywhere if you do that? So does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? You know, we know how to put our church face on, our church game on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm prosperous, I'm, I'm highly favored. And that's, that's good, but you still have to do something. Not only believe, not only speak, but the next step is to do you can't do one without the other. Right. You know, what's that? Love and marriage, that game, that um, love and marriage, love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. This, I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. See, y'all used to watch that, right? Uh-huh. But you can't have one without the other. So, for instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved, and you say, good morning, friend. Good morning. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be prosperous. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Listen, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, hey, that sounds good. You take care of the faith department, hey, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith. Faith and works, works and faith. Fit together, hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? you kind of feeling yourself, you know? Yeah, I have done all this. You know, you're sitting back and, you know, resting in what you think you've done. That's just great. Listen, demons do that. But what good, what good does it do them? Use your heads. Now, that's an exclamation point there. And, you know, in school, they teach you with the exclamation point, you got to kind of give some umph, right? So use your heads. That's my exclamation point. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hand? Wasn't it our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? So not only did he have faith and believe, he also put some action to it. He laid his son on the altar to be sacrificed. Didn't he do it? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith expresses itself in works? Faith expresses itself in works? That the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's it's that mesh of believing and action that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful and works? The same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot, 
Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing, wasn't it what counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. When you separate faith and works, you get the same thing, a corpse. Faith without works is dead. So that action is needed. You can, you believe the word, you speak the word, you meditate, you confess the word, but you also have to do something with the word that you believe in. You have to do something with the word you're speaking, you're meditating, you're confessing, you have to do something. Tell your neighbor, I have to do something. As we do these things, we start the process of mind renewal. We start the process of renewing our souls, which is our mind, our will, our imaginations, emotions, and intellect. They begin to be renewed and our lives will start changing. So take today. Think about what I've, what I've shared with you today. So if you want to change your minds, you want to change your life, be sure to release faith-filled words by believing God's word, speaking God's word, Meditating God's word, confessing God's word, and acting on God's word. We know faith without works is dead. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. 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 I have a, um, for anyone who wants, I have a prayer that it's a prayer to watch what you say. So this might be your first time hearing this type of message. You're like, okay. Okay, so this prayer along with the message can get you started to watch what you say and which should be the word of God. And get this, I'm thinking some people might say, hey, you know, if I, if I speak the word, people are going to look at me crazy if nothing happens. But what does that matter? What does that matter? The word says that him and his people will never be ashamed. So you do what he tells you to do and speak that word and you better believe you'll never be ashamed. You'll never be ashamed. And you'll also have people, look, people are watching you everywhere you go. You do know that. Especially if you call yourself a Christian. Especially if you say, I go down there to Lifeline Church. Or I've been visiting Lifeline Church. People are watching you. So give them something to watch. Start speaking the word. Start speaking the word. And don't be concerned because the, Isaiah says his word will not return void. Will not return void. Our problems sometimes come in with impatience. We want it right now, quick, fast, in a hurry, okay? You have to wait on God. Speak that word. Don't let it go. Call those things that be not as though they were until they are. Until they are. So give the Lord a praise again for that. <laughs>